0: Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. We're back with another episode of The Stacks. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas, and today we have author and feminist Rachel Overball. Rachel joins us to discuss her book, Finding Feminism, which tells of her upbringing as a fundamentalist evangelical Christian, her split from the church, and her personal journey towards feminism and empowerment. Before we get to Rachel, you know I have a few things to remind you about. First off, everything we talk about on today's show can be found in the show notes. Click that link and that will take you to all the books, movies, actors, whatever we discussed today. You can also find links to our social media accounts and more in the show notes. If you love The Stacks and you want to help support the work we do here, please consider joining us over on Patreon. Patreon is a website that allows listeners like you to help creators like me keep making content. The best part is you also earn perks like our virtual book club, voting for decisions that we make around here at The Stacks, and a lot more. So if you want to join The Stacks Pack, head over to patreon.com slash stacks. If you haven't done so yet, please leave the stacks a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. And maybe if you're feeling extra generous, tell a friend or 12 about us. By the way, If you're in the market for a book recommendation, let us help you. Email askingthestacks at gmail.com and we could give you a personalized on-air suggestion from myself and one of our guests about what you should read next. Just send us your name and what you're looking for in a book. Be sure to include a few books you've loved or hated so we can find the perfect book for you. Email us at askingthestacks at gmail.com. Okay, now it's time for you to hear my conversation with Rachel Overvall, author of Finding Feminism. All right, y'all, we are back today with another episode of The Stacks. Our guest today is Rachel Overvall. Rachel is an educational technology sales representative. I guess. That sounds so fancy. And she's also an author. Rachel's book, Finding Feminism, is her memoir about her coming of age and in in the evangelical church and the events that took place that led her away from the church into a life centering her own empowerment. Rachel, welcome to The Sacks. Thank you so much, Tracy. I'm really excited to be here. I'm so excited you're here. We're going to just start kind of like, can you give us a little bit more information about yourself generally? where are you from, where are you now, maybe fill in the blanks about how you got there.
1: Yeah. So I grew up um, in Indiana, and that's where most of the book takes place, uh, growing up in fundamentalist evangelical Christianity. Um, And then when I was about 21, 22, I started leaving the church. um, And it was about two years, and then I finally left religion, moved to Denver, um, which is where I currently live. And I live there with my rescue dog, Daisy, Uh, and just kind of creating a life there that is built on authenticity and my desires and my independence and really finding myself in who I really am.
0: I love that. Okay. This maybe is a really basic question. Mm -hmm. Can you give us your definition of feminism?
1: Yes. So feminism is all-inclusive and it is allowing women to choose for themselves. So I always use this example because I think that there – I know that there are a lot of misrepresented ideas of feminism, right? All feminists – I can't even tell you how many people since I've written the book have been like, oh, so you hate men? Like, that's, no.
0: I hate that because that is honestly – I think that that's a way for people to diminish the work that women do. Like, it's such bullshit. Everybody knows – like, n- they're – Ugh, people know better. Yes. They just say that because they want to be like, oh, you're an idiot or like, let me make you feel small so that you can't continue on like with your message exactly. as I interrupt you to yell about no,
1: that. No, no, <laughs> it's no. It's not mansplaining because we're women. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's, we're just having a great <laughs> we're conversation. <having> a
1: conversation. <laughs> so I've like come up with this kind of, I don't know, we can discuss if it's good or not analogy. So when I explain it to people and they say like, oh, you hate men. no. Well, what does feminism mean? Okay, so to me, feminism means women choosing their own lives, their own desires outside of and regardless of external male and societal pressures. So for instance, if there is a woman who has decided to be a stay-at-home mom, raise children, cook dinner every night, and she does that because she wants to and not because she feels like her husband's forcing her to or because like society is telling her to, that's feminism to her. She's choosing that and she's choosing to live her life. Same as if there's a woman that's a badass CEO of a company and is just crushing life, Like that could be feminism too. Feminism is choosing your life and deciding how you're going to live it outside of pressures from men or pressures from society to make you feel small. And it also we have to recognize that it has to be inclusive. Like I think like especially as a white woman, there's a lot of issues around feminism for people of color, for the LGBTQ community. And so like recognizing that feminism includes all female identifying right. people.
0: Right. Yeah. Cuz I mean the history of feminism is has been as rocky as all movements for equality and mm-hmm. rights and stuff and like you know we we've talked about this a bunch on the show so i won't go too deep into it but i think you know a lot of white women feminism comes from not just being a woman but from being white and serving you know white supremacy in those ways and mm-hmm. we i don't know if you know the book um Good and Mad by Rebecca Traster. Yes, but I just we, finished did it. Did you? We yeah. did it on the show. So. And, you know, she talks a ton about that, right? Mm-hmm. That like the work of the suffragette movement was indirect opposition to black people being able to get the right to vote. And that like there's sometimes this feeling of like crabs in a barrel when it comes mm-hmm. to these movements for civil rights, not just feminism. I'm not singling out feminism because I am a proud feminist yeah. too, but that, that these movements it's just like it feels like there's not room at the table. So it's important to like remind everyone who's doing this work that there is enough room for trans women or trans men or mm-hmm. you know Asian men or you know anybody right at the table for feminism. If you're here to empower women and like work with women, then there's room for you, and your struggle is is, is intersectional and is part of our struggle.
1: Absolutely, and I yeah. think that it also like recognizes that we can't rise as women unless we help other people. So you have to use your privilege to help others. So like white men have to, we need to rally them to help us to support feminism. And white women, we need to rally us to support women of color. And we need to, so every person that has a totem pole on the privilege spectrum, I guess, or the privilege ladder needs to be using that to rally and lift other people up. Everyone can be a feminist. Everyone should be a feminist. It's literally just equality.
0: Right, right. I'll, I'll accept it. <laughs> okay. So I read your book. It's really lovely. It's one of those books for me. I was like, this book is so much about your story. Like I, I could feel, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. So I'm going to ask you, why did you feel compelled to turn your story into a book?
1: Yeah. So I started writing about almost three years ago now, two and a half, three years ago okay. as a therapy assignment. Okay. Um, my therapist and I were kind of getting into like religion and what I had experienced. And she was like, have you ever considered that you've experienced a lot of trauma from religion? Hmm. I'm like, no, I mean, I left it. And I kind of just thought like, oh, I left and it doesn't Uh... affect me today. And she was like, I think we should dive into this. So we started diving into it. Um, and with that, I was just writing. She was like, just anytime you think of a story, just write it down. So I started doing that. So the book starts out with The Little Red Book, and that was actually the first story I remembered and wrote down. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's talking about this book that my mom gave me that was f- focused on modesty and being pure and how that was kind of like my step into feeling somewhat of oppression for the way I look. Then about – it was last May that this happened, and my I had a close friend that passed away suddenly, like oh, no. super healthy guy we knew each other from the gym, just had a heart attack and passed away. Like just one of those freak things that you have no idea that it's going to happen. And it really rattled me. Um, just thinking like we're the same age and this could happen. And what if I passed away, what would be left of my life? Like what would be my story that I Mm -hmm. told? I thought, I don't, I have a story to tell, but I haven't told it. And so that's when I decided to tell my story and started writing. I hired a writing coach because I am, I will, very adamantly claim I'm an accidental author. I went to school for hospitality and tourism management. Got it. I I so I hired someone to teach me how to write, wrote the book and then found a publisher and a publishing house and got published and it was just it all happened really fast. So I decided last May I was going to write the book. By December it was done and I was published by April. Amazing. So it was like a really fast year.
0: Look at you. That's <laughs> yeah. so badass. That's like not very common, you know. No. <laughs> a lot of people. So those of you who are writing your books, you could do it.
1: And it was it was totally like right. It was this is a story of the power of women connecting too of how mm-hmm. I got this book. So I'm in a women's group in Denver, and it's like a women entrepreneur group. And um, I told one of the women in the group, "Yeah, I want to write this book. I'm thinking about it. I need to figure out where to go." And she was like, "Oh, I have a friend in Arizona who just published a book. You should talk to her." I connected with her, mm. and then she connected me eventually to her publisher, who by chance was wanting to publish a story of a woman leaving religion.
0: Interesting. So that's so like meant to be type mm-hmm. moment. I love it. I I have some okay, so there is an author. Her name is Aro Kwan. She just wrote a book last year called The Incendiaries. And she was in I can't I wanna say she was evangelical Christian mm-hmm. also, but I c I don't I I can't say for sure. But she was in like a very religious upbringing was very religious. She left religion and I heard her speak and she talked about it how it was like kind of like a breakup that there was like this huge void in her life and she had chosen, you know, to leave religion. It wasn't like I don't it wasn't forced upon her. It was her choice that she had made right. as an adult. Um but she still talked about it like it was like this breakup and it was really hard for her and she kind of had to fill this void in her life. And I'm curious if any of that resonates with you and if so, What did you use to kind of fill that space as you were breaking up with religion?
1: Oh, 100 percent, because especially in and I'll I'll kind of use a blanket term here and any fundamentalist religion, which is really what I grew up in, is it's separating you from the outside world. Right. So you're only able to speak, to communicate, to work with, to surround yourself with, in my case, evangelical Christians. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is a sinner. Everyone else is someone to convert. Everyone else is someone who might cause you to sin. So really, I spent my entire life hiding from the majority of the world. Right. And then when I left religion, which I talk about in the book, was like a multi-year process. It was just kind of step by step by step, challenging what I believed and saying, do I really believe this? Is this really what I think? And so by the time I left, um, it was a breakup. Absolutely. Because all of a sudden, I'm saying all the people who I've surrounded myself with my whole life are no longer my community. And now I have to step into the community that I've been fearful of my entire life
0: Right,
1: and associate with them. And
0: like trust those people and trust those people and build relationships with those people.
1: Exactly. So it's a very anyone coming out of religion. I'm sure that you I've talked to a lot of women and men and I'm sure that they've all experienced a very similar thing like the breakup and just forcing yourself to reimagine your life And say, okay, all these people I've been avoiding now they have to be my community because otherwise I'm alone.
0: Right. Well, what about like the idea of like in a breakup where you still like have positive feelings towards the other person, or like Mm -hmm. did you have times where you were still turning towards like prayer, maybe, or things that had been part of your life that were almost like second nature for you? Like, were you still feeling like you were turning to those things as you were leaving, or after you'd left, or even now?
1: Yeah. I mean, because I think that and that's why it took so long to like really cut off. Mm-hmm. Um so for a while so I I was in an abusive relationship with uh an ex-fiancé and I ended up breaking things off with him. I talk about this in the book. Yeah. So um and when that happened, the church I was involved in said like basically you you are not welcome to be a part of the church because you're not following God's plan. He's a godly man, you're not following God's plan. And so my exit was a little bit forced upon me, not mm-hmm. as much as choosing. Mm-hmm. Um, so for a while, I still went to the church, but I didn't go to the Bible study where they had right. told me, like, no, you can't, you can't come, come, basically. Um, and
0: so then... Which just seems like so unchristian to me, right? Like, can't like really, you're going to tell people they can't go, like, study the Word of God or whatever the Bible... I'm not religious, so yes. have to bear with me. But, but
1: no, <laughs> it, it, it's, like, very non... Against, it's against what the Bible says. Right. Absolutely. Like, if you study the Bible and... Now I'm at a point in my life where I'm – I wouldn't say I'm religious. I would say I'm an annoying millennial that's spiritual. Got it. Quote, unquote. Um, But yeah, so it's – so I like started leaving the church and as I left, it was step-by-step. So I stopped going to church every Sunday and I would go like maybe once a month when I felt like I needed something. Right. And then I would – then I kind of like over a year stopped going altogether, but I would still pray. I would still read my Bible. I still held a lot of like very hateful um, mindsets mm-hmm. that the church had instilled in me, then I would stop reading my Bible. Then I kind of stopped praying. And so it was just
0: like- Over time. Very slow. It was a slow burn. And now you're spiritual.
1: Yeah. I would say, so I there's something out there. I believe that. I don't know what it is. Okay. And I believe that if there is a God and a higher power that he loves everybody and there's not going to be some fiery pit that we're all going to be sent to if we don't honor him. That's
0: garbage in my mind. <laughs> okay, let me ask you. You said he and him. Oh yeah, yes. I'm just curious. Oh yeah. I it, mean, she, they. Yeah, God is a woman,
1: as sure. Ariana Grande said. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm just I don't curious. know.
0: I don't. I, I'm super not religious. I think sometimes like there's something. Like, a, like a conductor of sorts, kind of like fantasia, yes. like there's like something maybe going on, but then sometimes I'm like, there's no way, like there just couldn't be right, but I don't I've because I didn't really grow up super religious, I never had the thing where you like assigned a visual to God mm-hmm. or Jesus or whoever your person is. And so I'm always curious when people have that like where that comes from the pronoun or the skin color or (laughs) the size or like you know i've seen those like really like dreamy like black jesus or like the like really wavy like white Jesus. Yeah. You know, like, I just so curious about how we ascribe human features to something that surprise we've never seen. You know, that's <laughs> such a good point because it, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like there's still there's so much
1: trauma to unpack from right. religion. And there are things they still like subconsciously do and say, like assigning that God is a he just now naturally. Right. Like, do I really believe that? No, I don't really know. Right, but it's just like second nature. It's second nature.
0: And And that's what you're taught.
1: Exactly. And so there's a lot of things that are second nature from religion that I'm still breaking and still trying to overcome.
0: Do you read about religion, like other religions, world religions, Christianity, or is Um, that still like kind of too much?
1: It's still too much for me at this point, I think because... After I left, and and to like clarify too, I don't want anyone to think that I like hate religion or no, hate no. Christians. I don't like, think anybody
0: thinks. No. That. no,
1: it's just I grew up in really fundamentalist, oppressive right. religion, and I. If you get joy and benefit out of religion, that's amazing, right? It was, and also
0: like I'm sure that plenty of the people around you are identify as religious right. one way or the other, but fundamental religion is different than completely than like. I go to church for Easter or whatever people yeah, do or exactly. some, somewhere in between. I guess there's things in between. Too.
1: Right. Yeah. So it's it's a different concept.
0: Do you but. think you ever would like study other religions? Do you think that that would be something that would interest you or do you think that you're kind of like, I
1: feel like been there, don't I think need to. I would never – I'm never going to close myself off to saying like, right. oh, I'll never go back to church or I'll never be involved in another religion. I will never be involved as heavily as I was right? where it was, you know, reading my – Bible or your scripture, your holy book every single day, multiple times, praying multiple times a day, like that's never going to be where I go back to. Right. But maybe at some day, if I feel like I'm in a place where I need to find peace, maybe I will search out peace and another religion or another God or something. I can't, I don't think it's closed off. Mm -hmm. It's just not right now.
0: Got it. So one of the things that you talk about in your book is this rush to believe men and doubt women. And that comes up like a lot in your book. So I'm assuming that is something that's come up a lot in your life. How do you feel like you are able or have been able to combat that idea um, or or engage with it? Or I don't know. I that was one of the things that really stuck out to me, like this rush to believe men and doubt women. And I feel like you know, it's your mm-hmm. birthday today. Happy birthday. Thank you. It's also, as we're recording this tonight is the first democratic debate yes. and then tomorrow. And I, I was thinking about it in that context. And I've been thinking about it a lot since I read your book. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of curious for you to expound on that idea.
1: Yeah. It, it's something that still is part of me that I'm trying to overcome. I mean, yeah. it was so ingrained in me. I've only, I mean, I'm 28. I've only been out of religion for maybe let's say when I actually cut off, totally wasn't going like six years. And so it's 22 years of indoctrination that you're trying to break right, in six right. years. And there is, yeah. So I talk about, and I specifically talk about the moment where I knew that I would never be believed as a woman when I was at cotillion and a boy, um, like grabbed my butt during dancing. And my, I told my parents, and then they told. The story is much better in the book, so yeah. you have to read the book. <laughs> but um, Reader's Digest version told my parents, and then they called the cotillion leaders and were like, "We have to have a meeting." We went and no one believed me. Right. And I remember sitting there and thinking like, why would I ever do this again? This is mortifying.
0: Right. Why would I come forward? Why would
1: I come forward? Even doubting myself and being like, wait, did this really happen? Am I crazy? Am I making this up? And that was the first time, but that wasn't the first time I was assaulted. And I think it goes back to the idea that like men have power over women and women are weak and that I was instilled and ingrained with those ideologies and that allowed me to be somewhat of prey for men. Mm. Um, and it's still something like I had a conversation with my dad the other day and he was like, well, I mean, the Me Too movement is just garbage. All these women are just lying about men to get them in, to get them in trouble. None of these women are telling truth. Mm. And like that but to like explain that's
0: the mentality that I grew up in. Right. But uh, in the story in your book, your family seem to be on your side.
1: Well, that's the funny thing. So, like, my dad was saying this, and they are on my side. Right. And so I told them about my sexual assault before the book came out, Mm -hmm. and we never had a conversation about it before I told them about it. um, And my dad was like, well, I believe you, but I don't believe any other women. Hmm. And it's just kind of this mentality that I – don't know that I'll ever understand, especially since I've experienced it. I believe every woman, I'm like, right. <laughs> everyone is like, there's too many cases of sexual assault and sexual violence against right. women for it not to be true. So that was a roundabout way to answer
0: the question. A and I bit. do have a, one more question about your yeah. parents and then we'll talk more about books. So in your book, your parents are obviously like fully indoctrinated mm-hmm. in the religion. They're all in like, that's their life that that was your life. Like they're still doing the fundamental evangelical Christian Mm -hmm. thing. And your sister is a Christian still, but she's like not, she's not fully all in, but she's not fully all out either. And I'm just kind of curious how you have relationships with them as like obviously your family. And it seems that you, that you love them and you care about them Mm -hmm. and that they love and care about you. And like, how do you reconcile that? It must be really challenging.
1: It's incredibly complicated, and I've kind of got to a point where I'm just like, I have chosen family that I know love and supports me, Mm -hmm. and my parents love and support me in the way that they know how, Mm -hmm. but if you think about it from this perspective, in their mind, because I'm not a Christian and because I've written this book, which they're not happy about, um, that says, like, I don't believe in God, basically, right? and I'm denouncing their religion, that means to them that I'm going to hell, which, Mm -hmm. of course, no parent – Right. Wants to think that their child's going to hell. Right, right. And so it's a really complicated relationship where I know that they love me and I love them. but And they did what they thought was best. Mm-hmm. You know, I had food on the table. I was never, like, abused. I was. They sent me to college. They made right. sure I had clothes and cars. And, like, they took care of me. But at the same time, there was a lot of trauma involved in the religion they involved me in. So it's a complicated I call it a fractured relationship in the mm-hmm. book. And I think that's the best way to describe it. Um, they're actually moving to Colorado in two weeks. Oh wow! Be, they're moving to Colorado Springs, which is the very Christian I know part. Where that is. Yeah. <laughs> um, my sister and I though, we're best friends. I love my sister more than anything in the world. Um, she has a closer relationship with my parents cause mm-hmm. she did kind of what they wanted to do her to do or us to do. She right. got married when she was 21 to a good okay. Christian guy. Um, Got it. You know, and they look at me and they're like, what's wrong with you? You're single and you don't have Mm. children. Like,
0: (laughs) it's okay. It's fine. Um, so let me ask you this for people who are maybe where you were at where you were at 19 or 20 or 21 mm. or 22 or 23, you know, a few years ago, kind of in the beginning of your process of leaving the church and discovering your feminism and you're empowering yourself and realizing that like you are to be believed and trusted and you should be able to follow your, all your own choices and things like that. And maybe people who have that pressure coming from religion or maybe not, maybe mm-hmm. they just are raised in families that are very, you know, conservative and follow heteronormative rules or whatever right. it is. What kind of stuff would you say to them? like to hold on to or to reach out for kind of to help them along Mm -hmm. in their journey? The first
1: thing I would say is 150% therapy. (laughs) I tell everyone, find a good therapist, go to therapy. The second thing I would say is like, start thinking about things that don't serve you in your life. Are you doing things out of obligation for religion or for family or for relationships or yeah, exactly. Are you doing things for other people or are you doing things that serve you and make you happy? Because the only way to like truly live a happy life is to be authentically yourself and choose for yourself. So – I would say – and also like know that it's a long process and a long journey. You're not going to wake up one day and be like, now I'm authentically myself and I chose everything that's great and I'm just creating I'm a
0: feminist and I'm perfect. Exactly. (laughs) And now everything's
1: awesome. Like it takes a really long time, so don't get overwhelmed with the process. Start choosing – like I chose small things at first. Like, okay, I'm going to – like I worked on leaving religion and kind of changing a lot of those, uh, I would say like patriarchal mindsets for a while. And then the last three years, I've really been working on like – Body positivity and self-love and self-worth work. And so know that it takes a long time to overcome indoctrination of any type and right. negative mentalities. So be patient and fill your and find people that can be on your team. Mm. Like cultivate a team and say, like, hey, this is what I'm working towards. And ask people to help you.
0: Right. Right. So good. Yeah. yeah. And you can do it. Yes. <laughs> Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least Okay. We're going to transition slightly to books. So one of my favorite segments, we started doing it a little bit ago and I just love it. It's called Ask the Stacks. And basically people email askingthestacks at gmail.com. That was askingthestacks at gmail.com. Um, and they ask us for a book recommendation. So today our recommend, our, our requester, I don't know, our recommendee <laughs> is Anna Salgado and she says, I am looking for character-driven novels that have a great ending. What I mean by that is I don't want to go through a journey and end with, that was it. I don't appreciate anticlimactic endings. She loved A Little Life, Homegoing, and Bad Blood. And she completely disliked Clockmaker's Daughter and The Hating Game. Mm -hmm. And then she says, I hope that helped. (laughs) Um, I'll start since I've kind of had a second with the question and you're just getting it right now. But what I'm going to say to you first, Anna, is that you, I I know you, you know me, and you know novels aren't really my thing. So I really stretched myself here. I'm trying very hard with these recommendations. So... My first one is one we did on the show in January, which is Home Fire by Camila Shamzi, And it's a retelling of Antigone and the ending is unreal. And if you haven't read it yet, you should. And then go listen to the episode. And if you have read it, I'm sorry for recommending something that you've already read. But everybody else, you should read it. It's so, 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 so good. Um, then the other two are a little bit more backlist. One is Never Let Me Go by Kazu Ishiguro, which is one of my favorite books. It's one of the first novels I read it as an adult where I was like, I might like a fiction book, um, but it's really good. It's kind of like sci-fi-y, but literary. And then the other one is I picked The Kite Runner by Khalid Hosseini, but – you really could do A Thousand Splendid Sons. You could really do any of his books. They're really good. The characters are amazing. There's plot and then there's always ending and excitement and just like, ugh, so good. So those are my three picks. Rachel, you don't have to do yes. three. I did three because I like to buy you a little extra okay. time. So go ahead. I was
1: pulling up author names too because I'm okay. honestly it's terrible. It's okay. I will put it
0: all in the show notes okay. with the link and the author's name. So if you don't Perfect. know the author's name, don't worry.
1: So um, this is – I'm not a sci-fi person actually. I Someone recommended this book and I read it – Incredibly quickly, and it was a fantastic story, and really made me think about a lot of things in life and like possibilities. And then the ending was not what I expected, okay. and it was beautiful. So, Dark Matter, okay, by um, Blake, Blake Crouch. Crouch. Have you that read book. that? I
0: have, but okay. I did not love the book.
1: Oh, you didn't? No. Okay, but it's okay. Maybe because I didn't know what to expect. I didn't so know what just to like... expect
0: either. Okay, but, uh, most people love the book. I think I'm like the one person who was like, that's okay, but. It is – the ending is not what you're expecting. It's not. And it it is it, – there's a good payoff at the end for and, sure.
1: Okay. And then I also like – I
0: just shat on your book. I'm so sorry. No, that no it's so fine. Mean. No.
1: Like, I'm, I mean, th- I might not like books that you like later. We're going to find out. We're going to get to, to know each other. Yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> and then this is like a – it's kind of like trigger warning, like some violence and stuff, but Pretty Girls by Karen Slaughter. I loved that book. I don't book. know that. Um, It is – it's not it's hard to tell about it without okay. giving anything away. It away. But Pretty, Girl. Pretty Girls by Karen Slaughter. Actually, if anyone does audiobooks, the audiobook for this is really good. The narrator is great. Amazing. So I listened to it on audiobook and I loved it.
0: Okay. Now we're gonna talk about Rachel's oh. favorite book. She's oh. taking off her jacket. Yeah, I'm getting we're getting ready. We're gonna go straight to the questionnaire. You guys know the first questions always. Two books you love, one book you hate.
1: Okay, two books I love. Um, this is This one of them is pretty basic, and you can judge me for this, but it was the first book that ever got me actually interested and excited about reading and character development. I can't wait. The Great Gatsby. Okay, it's my favorite just because I remember reading it, and like I was never really a reader until senior year of high school. Okay, and I had an amazing teacher, and I read this book, and we just dove into the characters and the plot, and like all of the facets of it. And I remember reading this book and just feeling like, oh, reading makes sense now, and I love. Literature and I couldn't get enough.
0: Did you ever go back and reread
1: it? I did did. recently last summer, and I was like, this book is incredibly problematic. (laughs) <laughs> um, so that would be one of my favorite ones. And then also, I talk about this book in my book, but it was life-changing for me, um, and it's The Purity Myth by Jessica Valenti. Mm. And honestly, any of her books are phenomenal. Read them all. Or her articles, She's I have the biggest girl crush on her. Have you ever reached out to her? Yeah, I gave, I sent her a copy
0: of my book. Oh, how nice. I love yes. that.
1: That's so good. So, Okay, what about a book you hate? Okay, so this is where you might disagree. Have you read The Power? No. I just tried to read it. I tried to read it for a year. Is I kept that the book
0: thing? that was like a movie.
1: No, it hasn't come out as a movie yet, but um, Margaret Atwood endorsed it. So basically okay. she was like, this is The Handmaiden's Tale. Oh, yes, tale yes, yes, of- the, red, the red cover. Yes.
0: Okay. And everyone Al- kept Alderman saying – Alderman or something? Is that who wrote Naomi mm-hmm. Alderman or something? Yes. Yes. I have not read it. You're but right. I think that's who it is.
1: Um, and I could not, I just kept trying to get into it. And finally, I was like, I'm not going to waste my time anymore. I can't get into this book. I read half of it. I don't like it. I think (laughs) it was also a little challenging because she's British. And so like a lot of the words were a little bit different. Um, Mm. and just like, be like, wait, what does that mean? Just like kind of slang and stuff. So it brings you out of the story. Yeah. Um, and then, and it's a feminist book, but I just couldn't get into it. That's okay. So that was one.
0: That's okay. (laughs) Um, what about of the last like great book you read?
1: Um, the last great book that I read was probably The Mastery of Love.
0: Oh, that talk book about is it.
1: phenomenal. Um, it's by a Buddhist monk, uh-huh. I Miguel. I'm totally uh-huh. blanking We'll name. show notes. We'll show notes. We'll find out. it. Yeah. Um, and it's basically, it's pretty short. He has a couple other books, and it's basically about once, how in your life there's no way to love anyone else until you love yourself Mm. and it details like through beautiful imagery and stories of like, how do you love yourself? What does it mean when you love yourself? If you're not loving yourself in this way, how can you love your family or love a partner? Mm. And it changed my life. It's amazing. Um, it's one of those books where you can read like a chapter and you have to sit down and just kind of sit in it. Mm-hmm. You cannot speed read this. It's like, right. I'm going to read a chapter and sit in this and journal and then come back to it. Okay. Got it. Got it. I love that. What are
0: you reading right now?
1: I'm reading When Things Fall Apart. Okay. And it's phenomenal. So, um, a few weeks before my book came out, mm-hmm. I went through a bad breakup.
0: Oh, <laughs> yes! How fun!
1: So super fun. Like, oh, I don't love you anymore, and you have to find a new apartment tomorrow.
0: Oh, yeah. That so that charming. was that
1: was charming, especially like, oh, I'm my, also, book my is book's coming out coming out in three weeks. So my friend Claire recommended this book when things fall apart by Pima Chodron. She's mm-hmm. a she's also a Buddhist monk. This book is phenomenal. It's basically about. How do you deal with life when things don't go your way? And it's not just like breakups. It could be anything. Like you Mm. could – it is it is so – and one of the things I'm really learning about it is that everything in life is impermeable. So how are we going to deal with it? Mm. Like nothing lasts forever. So how do you sit in it? And another thing that they really – she really talks about is sitting in your emotions and not ignoring them. So when you're feeling sad, sit in your sadness. Experience it. Don't push it away. When you're feeling lonely, like sit in it.
0: That's so good. So – I it's love that. Beautiful. I love that. I need that right now.
1: <laughs> yes, I highly recommend it. Okay. Another one where it's a slow burn. You read like one
0: chapter, and you're okay. like, "Okay, now I reevaluate life," and then I'll come okay. back. Okay, that's good. Do you ever read multiple books at a time?
1: Um, so I do normally. So, like, mm-hmm. um, for the I was reading Miracle
0: Creek for yes, this, which we're going to talk about next week. Yes. And just so you know, right now while you're listening to this, we're going to spoil the shit out of that book. So if you haven't read it yet, you have a week to read it because <laughs> yes. we're going to go all in. I'm going to talk about every little detail so read it read it read it
1: and it's a quick read so you can and it's, read it good. it's
0: good it's good it's fiction that i like so that's like a stamp of, mm-hmm. that's like the stack stamp of approval <laughs> yes. anyway so you're reading miracle creek along with
1: along with so normally what i'll do is i'll read um like a fiction at night to fall okay. asleep that right. helps me fall asleep and i've like super bad anxiety so it kind of just helps calm me down yeah or I'll listen to an audible book and put on a timer and I'm not getting paid by audible. (laughs) Um, I'll listen to audible book and put on like a 15 minute timer at night. So normally novel at Uh night. And then the morning I'll read like a, I don't like the word self help book, but something like the mastery of love or, you know, when things fall apart or I'm reading another one by Maxi McCoy right now called you're not lost. Um, and so I'll read that in the morning to start my day. So that's kind of been my routine. Um, as of like kind of, You know, after you go through a breakup, you have to reset your life and you're figuring it out. So this has been a new routine I've set since getting into my new apartment. It's been every morning I wake up. I don't look at my phone. I don't check my email. Good
0: girl. I go
1: to my couch, make a cup of coffee, lay with my dog and read for 30 minutes and read some type of nonfiction.
0: Got it. That's so good. That's the hard. My hardest thing is not looking at my phone. It's so hard. It's so hard. I cannot do it. But I have started actually... And since I have such a hard time doing it, I've started going to my phone and like reading these like morning affirmations on my phone. So like I'm on my phone, but I'm more intentional with what mm-hmm. I'm doing. Like it's the first thing I do. So I don't go to Instagram. I like go and read about yeah. like my brain developing or whatever. I don't know.
1: I love it. No, it's <laughs> so it's, helpful.
0: I should just go straight to my book. I don't know. It's,
1: well, I uh, and I will preface like I work from home. Mm. I have uh, emails. When you work from home it's just in your face all the time. So that was a big reason why I was like, I can't get on my phone because I start looking at emails and I start thinking about all the things I have to get done today Mm. or all the meetings I have. And then I don't ever carve out time to take care of myself. Right. So I've made it a big priority. Okay. I'm spending 30 minutes in the morning, taking care of myself, drinking a cup of coffee. Do you set a timer? No, I normally set like a page limit. So that'll be what I'll do. Like I'm going to read this chapter and that chapter. I'm going to read.
0: Okay. Yeah. Got it. That's good. That's so good. Um, That's kind of like – I was going to ask you what your ideal reading setup, but that's probably – that.
1: Well, also a beach. A beach. Uh, Okay. I love – I am a beach bitch. Okay. Like I (laughs) love going to the beach and I live in Colorado, I know. So – but whenever I have the opportunity to go to the beach and just – I would love to do nothing more than to lay all day long on the beach – drink margaritas mm. and read books and not okay. talk to a single soul.
0: Will you – if you're on the beach, will you change your reading? Like will you do like a quote-unquote beach read or are you of on team? Anything you read at the beach is a beach read.
1: Anything I read at the beach is a beach read. Okay. So like for instance, last time I went on a, like a big beach cra- trip, I went to Belize. Okay. And mm. I read um, Sex Object by Jessica Valenti. Okay. Not a beach read. Got it. Um, and then also um, – gosh, I'm totally blanking on the name and I really loved it. It was just made into a movie – and it's similar to Educated and – The Great um, Alone. Oh, no. Um, the other one. Uh, Her
0: parents. The, the Glass Castle. Yes, The Glass, the glass Castle. Castle. Yeah. yeah. So that okay. was like
1: – and this was – my last speech
0: trip was like two years ago. So okay. that's why this is a dated that's okay. list. That's um, I'm team backlist. I love an older yes, book, so don't, I don't worry. I
1: loved The Glass Castle. Was I was just People sitting People um, love
0: that. Everyone beats. tells me to read it. I need to. I've never done it. I know. It's so good. It's beautiful. It and is. just like – it's sad, right?
1: It's sad, but the way that she and I really tried to channel that when I was writing my book, the way she talks about her parents, even though they were by a lot of standards, maybe abusive or somewhat
0: not great. T- not
1: great. They're <laughs> definitely unavailable. Right. Um, and didn't really care for their children in the way that they could should. Um, the way she talks about them with like such love and understanding is mm-hmm. really beautiful. Mm. You just the whole time you're like, You're not mad at them, even though if someone else, a third party, was telling you the story, you'd be like, those parents are terrible. Right, 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 right.
0: Yeah. Well, it's true because I did get that sense about your parents. I was like, she seems to like her parents, even mm -hmm. though I probably would not like her parents for her. (laughs) Right. You know, like as a bystander. Yeah. Um, What are some books that are maybe like on your to-be-read list you're looking forward to? Okay.
1: So I just ordered Pure, which is a woman... Um, once again, bad at authors. Um, and she left evangelical Christianity and she was just on NPR. So oh, I listened to her talk on awesome. NPR and I was like, oh, I need to read this book. And then also, um, uh, what's the book you posted the other day? I put that on my Goodreads. The Jesus? I can't date Jesus. I can't date by Jesus by Michael Arsenault. So, so I've so just good. put that on my okay. Goodreads list. Okay, check it out. So that's it's funny. It's yes.
0: awesome. <laughs> um, okay, those are good. And then how do you pick your next book? I mean, you just said from – through the stacks, through NPR, friends? Friends, yeah. So
1: I do do a lot of audible books. Okay. So sometimes uh, – because I drive a lot mm. um, and I'm on planes a lot. And okay. sometimes for me, it's just like more relaxing to put in headphones yeah, and yeah, close yeah. my eyes on a totally. plane. Um, so – for let's say i'm doing an audible book i will look up all of the reviews and if it has like less than 4.8 stars i'm not gonna do it okay um so i'm because i'm really picky about the narrator yeah
0: yeah 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 totally um
1: reading reading um with an actual live book um my friend claire uh who actually did some edits on my book and helped me with writing uh she is a complete book nerd and she always has the greatest recommendations and then also ashley spivey do From you, The Bachelor? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so she's a book nerd.
0: She loves – and so she, her Instagram is – Which one? She's not the one who married um, PJ or whatever. No, JP. No, no,
1: no, no, no. That's a,
0: a different – That's Ashley.
1: Ashley. Ashley Rosenberg is her yeah, last yeah, name yeah, now? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Um, but they were like my favorite Bachelor couple. Are you watching this season? Um, A little bit, yes.
0: Oh, my God. I'm so I into it.
1: I haven't watched this week's. Okay. So I watched last
0: week's. This week's is hot. There's a lot of straddle makeout sessions. Okay, I'm ready. This is <laughs> my gonna be... mom was here and I was like watching it and she's like, my mom's like reading her book, like protect, cause she like hates the show, but uh-huh. she always is like, I can't believe you watch this. And I finally was like, can you just leave me alone about it? I watch it and I love it and I don't need all the judgment. Right. So she's like sitting on the couch and she's like, looks up from her like readers and she's like, how many people is she dating? Because Ash, or not Ashley, Hannah is like straddling yes. this guy, like hardcore makeout. When you guys hear this episode, if you're bachelor people, I'm talking about the episode in Riga, Latvia. That's the one mm-hmm. we're talking about where there's lots of making out. There's also drama. Oh, I can't wait. It's, this season has been so good. Anyways, Ashley Spivey. Go oh ahead. yeah. So Ashley, no, I'm now I'm really excited because Trash TV is like my guilty pleasure. I, mean, I just love The Bachelorette. I just love Tyler. Tyler C. Mm-hmm. He's so hot. He's So cute. Oh my God. He's such a babe. He's hot. I'm all in. Don't tell Mr. Stacks, but I'm yeah. all in to Tyler Z.
1: It's so funny because a lot of the Bachelor people live in Denver, and I see them all the time. Like, I saw Chase the other day, like, walking down the street. I was like, mm. hi. And then Ben Higgins. We actually went to college together. Really? He was in. He's super Christian. He's super Christian this is the funny thing, he was
0: in the Bible study with my ex-fiance. So we so know each like other. he's in that group. He's
1: in that type of Christianity.
0: Whoa. Sorry, I hope Ben. Sorry, Ben. Well, no, we knew he was like a super big Christian. Yeah, he is. Because do you remember, this is like the biggest tangent and I don't even care. Do you remember when Sean Lowe was on Emily Maynard season. Yes. And Sean Lowe was very Christian. Yes. And then he became The Bachelor. And yes. so everybody on his season had to be really Christian. So what ended up happening is that all the contestants for like basically up until Caitlin ended up being super Christian Mm -hmm. because they had to be, like, that was, like, obviously one of the things that they said, you need to be super Christian. And Ben Higgins was on Caitlyn's season, but I think that they had cast so many, like, super duper all-in Christians that they were like, this guy's cute, he'll be great. And then he ended up being The Bachelor, so then it went back to being super Christian. (laughs) And then Caitlyn Bristow was here and she's like, I'm ready to fuck shit up. Yeah, she's like, I'm having (laughs) sex with everybody. Yeah. But, like, Hannah is Christian and she talks about it a lot, but like she also talks about having sexy time and I am here for it. I love it. I
1: like her. And this is not a bachelor podcast, but I love it. Um, I love her um just her attitude. She's kind of just like zero fucks. Yeah. She She's gives cool. pretty
0: much close to zero fucks. Yeah. But then sometimes she'll come in and be like, I asked I asked Jesus for a verse and he laid this verse on my heart. And I'm like, bitch, you're about to go straddle Pilot right. P and you're talking about Jesus laying a verse on your heart. Oh, is she I'm straddling Pilate P. She's straddling everyone in life? Pilot Lothia. P is smoking. they're smoking. Yeah. But I'm more of a Tyler girl myself. Okay. Pilot Pete's a little too precious for me. That's fair. He'll he'll make a lovely husband to her mm-hmm. if he wins. And he he almost might make a good bachelor. I would just rather see a season of Tyler being the bachelor and mm. like being hot yeah. and like doing his Tyler thing. I love that. I'm all in for Tyler. I'm in. <laughs> He's gonna win. Truly, we have taken this podcast to a completely (laughs) different place, and I'm not sorry about it. But Ashley
1: Spivey, to bring it back, no. (laughs) She's amazing. So I highly recommend following her on Instagram. Her Instagram is like, so I did follow her since The Bachelor because I've been a Bachelor fan since Trista and Ryan. I've watched every single season. Amazing. Yeah. All in. All in. Um, and it's funny you mentioned Sean Lowe's season because I was home for college that season and my dad sat and watched every episode with me. Oh my me, God. And he got really into it. Really? He was like, so, probably because Sean's Cause Christian. He's so Christian.
0: Well, they're expecting their third child. They I just know. announced. Super cute.
1: <laughs> so, Ashley Spivey on her Instagram basically just talks about books. So, she doesn't oh. really, she does do some bachelor things. She's also like a pretty big, uh, cool, like social justice advocate. Okay. Um, but she reads avidly and then just does book reports. Kind of, it's like I like this book. I didn't like this. So. Okay,
0: and she, you like the book she reads.
1: I like um her recommendations. Okay, so because she'll she gives a really good detailed recommendation, so uh-huh. I can decide from the recommendation even if, if she liked right. it, will I will I not Got like it. it?
0: I think Viviana also posts a lot about books. Do you oh, remember really? her? Yeah, no, yeah. I don't follow her though. Oh, I don't but either. I, but I feel like I've seen her a few times post okay. about things. Okay, <laughs> truly gone far <laughs> far away. Okay, speaking of recommendations, what's a book that you like to recommend to people? So I'm going to go back to The Mastery of Love because okay. I do think everyone should read that. Okay. And and The
1: Bible. Okay. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, Hard no. pass for me. Though. Yeah. No, just kidding on that one. Uh, the Mastery of Love is phenomenal. And then I always, anyone that's like trying to get into feminism or interested in reading more about feminism, uh-huh. I'm like, anything Jessica Valenti writes, read it. Okay. Any of her articles, any of her books, The Purity Myth, Sex Object. She's a phenomenal
0: writer and okay. just – a brilliant feminist. Okay, I've never read her so I'm going to have to do that. Yes. Do you set reading goals for yourself?
1: Um, so I normally do. Last year I didn't because I was working full-time and writing the book mm-hmm. and so it was kind of just like I didn't read anything last year. I was okay. a terrible reader. That's okay, But this year I've set quite a few goals, but it's not necessarily like number of books. Okay. I make a list on Goodreads mm-hmm. of what I want to read and okay. then I do that. So, it's, so you'll
0: like set like a huge TBR for yourself for the year. Exactly. And try to go through.
1: Exactly. Got it. I don't want to put – I don't like putting pressure on myself because I'm super type A. And so if I Got do, it. it makes reading not enjoyable. Yes. And I'm just like I have to read 50 books this year. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Instead of just sitting and being like I'm really enjoying this book, or I'm going to take my time, especially if I'm
0: reading any type of like personal development book where it might take a lot longer right. to get through. Right. I'm um, going through that right now. I set a really insane reading goal for myself this year, and now I'm halfway there, and I'm like I have to finish, but I just want to be done with it. Yeah. And I can't wait next year to be like I'm going to read three books next year. Yes.
1: You can't but, do that. You know.
0: <laughs> I'm going to finish this year because I'm ahead of schedule, so I'm like I'm going to do it. But How many books? A hundred. That's amazing. Yeah. It's good. I mean, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm not reading in the way that I want to be reading because I'm like sometimes picking books that I know are a little bit smaller Mm -hmm. or I'm picking books that I know are going to be easier to read. I don't know. It's my own – I'm too type A for this shit. I should have known better.
1: But anyway. (laughs) Yes. No, it's so true. If you're type A and you set a goal, it's really hard to enjoy it.
0: Right. And like I'm reading things that I really like, but I'm also not reading things that I – like I haven't read as much stuff that I love this year and that makes me sad. But I'm reading good stuff and I'm reading more – diversely not by author but by like genre and like Mm -hmm. style like because i really like nonfiction, and i've been trying to read more fiction yes feels silly um are there things you wish were different about your reading life um
1: i wish i carved out more time to read Mm. um it's been yeah, just like writing the book, I got off on a really just kind of a year of a bad schedule and mm-hmm. didn't really read that mm-hmm. much. And so now I'm trying to kickstart it. Like, I think last year I might have read four books, like, not very many. That's so okay. this year I've read 12 so far. I'm oh, pretty good. proud of that. That's good. Um, And then I would love to finish the year at like 40. That'd so, be really good. Because I have quite a few. I'm I have like four that I'm in the middle of.
0: Yeah, so well, that's the other thing. Like, if you read, I only read pretty much one book at a time. Mm, But if you read a lot at a time, you feel really behind. And then at the end of the month, it's like, boom! I read ten books. But Uh, like at the beginning of the month, you're like, I haven't read anything.
1: Well, then I never know what to count because I count audible books sometimes and sometimes I don't. Like, how many physical books have I read? Twelve. How many books have I listened to total? I've listened to like and read thirty-five. You should definitely
0: count audible books. Okay, count
1: people. I know people
0: say that it doesn't, doesn't, but it does count. Because like, what if you were like visual, visually impaired or something? You're saying those people aren't. because they're listening. Like that's yeah. some ableist bullshit. So exactly. Count your books. <laughs> okay. If you're consuming the book, you're consuming the book. I read somewhere and I can't remember where so I can't cite mm-hmm. it, but I read somewhere that people miss as much reading a book on, on average uh-huh. in general and, you know, general, general they miss as much reading a physical book or an ebook as they do listening to a book. Cause I've heard a lot of people be like, Oh, well I miss that when they listen, but the same kind of like amount of reading retention is the yeah. same, whether you're listening or reading with your eyes. And it's just a
1: way for me to keep reading without yeah. ha- like when I'm driving and when I'm on planes. You definitely and when should
0: count those books. Okay. Don't let people make you feel bad Thank about you. your reading. Well, I'm counting those. Count those <laughs> books, girl. Um, let's see. What's the last book that made you laugh?
1: shrill i just mm. i listened to it on okay. audible um have you li- have you I read it i have it i have
0: not read or listened yet
1: highly recommend it to everyone You're like the it's, ninth
0: person on this show to bring it
1: up. um let, let's lindsay Lin- it's West. like lindy lindy yes um, yeah. and she is hilarious. Also, she will have you, I was in my car listening to it a lot and I was like, yes, girl. Yes. I'm like <laughs> snapping my fingers to things she said. I'm I dying laughing. Also like cried a few times cause there's some hard truths there, mm. but it's
0: for everybody to read. Okay. It's so good. What about the last book that made you cry? Not shrill.
1: Um, well, miracle Creek. I oh, like, I finished it last night and I was crying.
0: Oh, I okay. can't wait. Don't, 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 don't don't, 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 <laughs> don't, what was the last book that made you angry?
1: Anonymous girl, have you? Okay, Um, it is. I had a recommendation to listen to it on Audible, and it's um, about this woman in New York who starts a really complicated, fucked up relationship with a therapist. Okay, and the whole time you're like, "What are you doing? Stop!" Oh my god, stop that one, and then also tell me lies. I don't know that either. So that's also about uh, like – uh, she's like in her 20s and in an abusive relationship with this guy and she keeps going back and it's like, stop uh, doing it. Okay. So those two, I just like – I found myself – I enjoyed the books. They're both really good. But the whole time I was so mad at the main character. Just like, mm. why are you making these stupid decisions? Okay.
0: Yeah. What about – do you have a favorite bookstore?
1: Yeah. So in Denver, the Tattered Cover.
0: The Tattered Cover. I feel like I've heard of
1: that. Um, It's really beautiful. There's the – Big ones downtown and it's just like this gorgeous old store. And then Mm. this is – Basic, but Powell's in. Of course, yeah. love I mean, Powell's. I was there two, year, year, two years ago for a marathon, mm. and I think I spent like five hours after the marathon in Powell's. And my ex at the time was like, "Can we leave yet?" And I was like, <laughs> no, "No, no,
0: I just ran a marathon, leave me alone." Right.
1: I haven't gone up to the old books yet. The are classic you a books. music
0: runner or are you a book runner?
1: Uh, I I do podcasts. Okay, when podcast I podcast and you run run. Okay. Um, but it has to be a podcast that's like pretty upbeat. Got it. And then um. I did run surprisingly. The only book I ever run to was Educated.
0: Mm, I ran to that. Cause I was yeah. You were like, I need to run away from this terrible, right? <laughs> these um, terrible people. Yes, yeah. that's so funny. What about? I know you mentioned Jessica Valenti. Do you have any other favorite feminist
1: mm-hmm. air quote
0: books? Well, I think we could say Liddy. Lindy West. Lindy West,
1: yeah. yeah. And then also Roxane Gay. Mm. So like everything she everything does. Everything she does. I heard her speak in Denver um, a year or two ago. She was doing Press for Hunger. Uh-huh. She's hilarious She's too. so funny. She's, Do you
0: follow her on Twitter? Yes. She's the greatest Twitter follow. She
1: is so funny. She's so great. I didn't really know what to expect because her books are like obviously did very Did you serious. listen to her
0: book or did you read it? I read that. Okay, so I listened to okay. Hunger and she is like so serious in tone. You don't get a sense of her humor at no. all. She's almost sounds like an audiobook narrator because her voice is like very beautiful mm-hmm. and she like reads it really like audiobooky and I was like is this the same Roxanne, like it doesn't right. like she just. It, I mean, that book is really heavy, and there is a lot. So I feel like she was mm-hmm. like respecting the text that she would written in her story, but it felt really different than like when I've seen her and when I followed her on Twitter and stuff.
1: One of the things she said that I'll never forget because I was cracking up. She, someone asked her, like, "So do you?" Because she, like, she grew up somewhat religious too. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, and when she someone did a Q&A and they were like, are you, do you believe in God? And this was right when um, Beyonce just had twins. And she mm. goes, yes, I believe in God. And she just gave birth to two beautiful twins. Oh, and I was like, yes, Beyonce. Beyonce is God.
0: That's right. That's right. Um, okay. I love those. Those are great <laughs> feminist book author suggestions. Are there any books that you feel embarrassed about having read?
1: <sighs> yeah. Um, all of the Twilight books. Also <laughs> all of the Fifty Shades of Grey books.
0: That's always my answer. Fifty Shades.
1: Like it's so embarrassing. But I remember I I was like really into them. I was so into them. (laughs) And now I look back. I'm like, this is incredibly problematic. This is abusive. This is not okay.
0: I try not to look back at books Mm. because I feel like, I don't know. I mean, like, I shouldn't say that because I do look back and I will talk shit Mm -hmm. about a book. But like if I read a book in the moment that it was written and it doesn't ruin my life, I try not to go back and unpack it. But if I read something after the fact, like I'm considering re- reading Little Women for the first time, Oh. but I've heard it's really problematic and I'm kind of like, I just really love the movie and I kind of yeah. want to be okay with Marmee just like telling them to be sweet girls and like do horrible heteronormative things and not be their own people. <laughs> but they kind of are and like Joe's like a writer and she's, you know, I don't know. Yeah. But like it's like hard to find the balance between reading something and enjoying it and then especially fiction mm-hmm. and then reading something and like tearing it apart because you recognize all the problems and like finding the yeah. balance between those two things I think is really hard.
1: Wait, that's such a good, I love that. I'm going <laughs> to carry that with me because yeah, I mean, did, at the time, did I love reading the Twilight books and the Fifty Shades of Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, Twilight came out when I think when I was in college, I was in like when they ended, I think I was in college and then 50 shades was also when I was in college. And I remember just like eating this up, especially yeah. cause I'm pretty sure I started reading 50 shades when I was still like, In the church, if I remember this correctly, how naughty of you! I know, and I remember being like, "What is this? This is is amazing!
0: delicious!" (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Do you have any favorite books that were assigned in school besides *Great Gatsby*?
1: Yes. So that same teacher, he was a huge Kurt Vonnegut fan. Okay. Um, and so he, after *Great Gatsby*, we read uh, like four other Kurt Vonnegut books, and I like him and the way that we studied the books. Those were. I mean, yeah. What do we? There were I can't remember all. I think
0: that the, all he's, the Cats Cradle, the right? Cats
1: Cradle, and then the um, Slaughterhouse, Slaughterhouse Five, Slaughterhouse Five, and um, two other ones that I, I can't but remember. Anyways. They were all they were really. It was just kind of like once again opened my eyes to like literature and literary references and how much you can. I guess really how much you can unpack in a book mm-hmm. and how much can be stored secretly within a book that you right. can bring to life. Right. So that was.
0: I like that. What would you assign in school?
1: I would assign let's I would assign the hate you give. I think everyone needs
0: to read that book.
1: Interesting. That's not one of my favorites.
0: Okay. I like it. I appreciate the book. Mm -hmm. I don't love YA. And I think, like, for me Mm -hmm. as a woman of color, a black woman, I think that the book is like and it's written by a black woman. So I'm not shitting on Angie Thomas because I think the book is a huge service. But like for me, I was kind of like, this really simplifies it. And so I didn't Mm. love it, but I also read it as an adult woman without children. So, like, I wasn't thinking of it through the lens of YA. Do you know what I mean? So, like, I recognize that my reading of it came from not the place, I'm not the target audience by any means. But so I didn't love it. I liked it. I read it in two days. It goes by so quick. It does. And I think that for a lot of people, there's a lot to get out of it. But for me, I was kind of like, I should have just read a book about you know, mass incarceration and just like gone on with my day.
1: Well, I love that you said it was super simple because I think that's why I, I, as a white woman, I was like, this is, I mean, obviously I know all, you know, I know this, these things are existing, right? Right. Police brutality and injustices based on skin color is incredibly prominent, unfortunately, in our country and around the world. But I read it and I was like, this is like a really approachable book for Mm People who don't understand that. Yeah, I, that's what I think. That's what. I, yeah, totally. That's, that's kind of how I thought it. And actually, like my parent, I gave it to my parents, and they read it, and they liked it. They.
0: Didn't took hate
1: it. <laughs> some things away from it that were good. Okay, that's so good. So they took that's... some nuggets. And See, my, mom, yeah. my mom talked to me and I was like, well, and I, so I think that it's an approachable book, especially like
0: for students. Like, yeah, I agree. I don't think, yeah. like, to me, I wouldn't say that it's a book that everybody has to read, mm-hmm. but I would say that there's a lot of people who could get a lot out of it. And mm-hmm. I think, like, especially. It, I think that like there's a lot for white people, especially white people who live in communities with many other white people, yes. in smaller cities or in places like Denver or Portland, where mm-hmm. it is super white. Yeah, even in major U.S. cities, like I think there's a lot to get from it. For me, I was kind of like, I know this already, yeah. and I appreciate it, but like, totally. I get it. No, so that makes sense. But it's and- a, I, it's a. I recognize that it's a well-written book, and like I recognize that it's. It's not my critique has very little to do with the book and more to do with me just being like
1: eh. right because you you're like I understand all of this yeah like-
0: exactly because I love nonfiction and I read a lot of stuff mm-hmm. about it anyway so it was kind of like if I had read this when I was yeah. younger or whatever I don't know
1: and then also Kwame Alexander he is mm. do you have you read any I've of his never books? read him
0: but I did see him he was here in L A he's a
1: brilliant speaker
0: he's so great it was him and Nikki Giovanni together Stop. it was unreal and he like he's a beast. He goes, I mean, YA authors and children authors, what Mm -hmm. they do that's so amazing that other authors don't do is they do their book tours. And in the day they go to like two or three Mm -hmm. schools. And then at night they go to a bookstore and it's like, they're doing four stops a day and a regular author, no offense, regular authors or literary (laughs) authors or whatever, adult authors, they just go one place every few days. I'm like, so he was amazing. Did he talk about like how he only uses prose? Um, well, I, no, he was writing in first. For,
1: um, so two of his, I should, I should backtrack. His okay. two most famous books. Yeah. Um, the crossover and then the baseball one. And I'm totally blanking on it. Oh, yeah, of, I can remember the name of it. They're all, they're all in
0: different sports. Right. Um, are in prose. Okay. And this verse. book that he was doing was his new book, Swing Time maybe or something. Yes. I can't remember. That's not what it's called. I something haven't like read that. It. But it was in verse. So mm-hmm. it was talking a lot about verse.
1: Yeah. And it's, so he is just a phenomenal man and he basically like believes that. Students should be taught poetry at a young age, and mm-hmm. like, and teaches. He goes into schools too and teaches teachers how to teach yeah.
0: about poetry. Oh, he's so great! Well, so his teacher when he was in college was Nikki Giovanni. <gasps> so oh! she was like, they were in conversation. It was amazing, but it makes sense why he's so powerful, that. like power, like such a powerful advocate for mm-hmm. poetry. If your teacher is Nikki right. <laughs> Giovanni, um, okay. I feel like we have <laughs> to wrap it up, sorry. though. I'm, no, no, don't don't be sorry. I could do this for hours, but I feel like some people. Want to listen to other podcasts like The Lady Gang or something? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Which Rachel is on, so yeah. go listen to her there. I, what? When did that? Does that episode gonna drop, come out? It's
1: going to come out like April. Uh, I just said April. What? What am I thinking? <laughs> it's um, August. It's coming out July twenty sixth. Oh,
0: and you're going to be on this show. Will be July, so you'll this will be out before.
1: Perfect. Yeah. So, so listen to The Lady Gang. We did a I did a mini episode with Kelty and Becca, and it was oh, super fun.
0: Awesome. And, Which this is like a lot of scheduling that no one cares about. <laughs> I may cut this. We'll see. Put it in your iPhone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Schedule Rachel now. Okay. I steal this one from the New York Times. I love it. If you could require the President of the United States to read one book and the assumption is that he would be able to read it and understand it, what would that book be?
1: Gosh. Um, I know. I thought about this a lot. I was like, okay. my book? No. Um <laughs> a science textbook? I don't okay. know, maybe just a book explaining how the female body actually works. Right, like, right, <laughs> Maybe right. a book talking about consent? Sure. So, like a lot There's a lot of options. Yeah, uh, probably we should all be feminists. That okay. book. It's short. He could probably comprehend
0: it. Mhm. It's it's small words, it's small. It's a tiny book. I read <laughs> um it. it's and who
1: it's um Chimamanda Ngozi Shim- yes. Adichie. Yeah. I also the same day I heard Kwame she was speaking in. She's amazing. She's so amazing. But yeah, so we shall be feminist.
0: Okay, I'll accept that. That's a good feminist. answer. Um, okay, that's it for us today. Like I mentioned, we're gonna be back next week discussing Miracle Creek by Angie Kim, which is our Stacks Book Club pick. We're going to spoil it. It's like courtroom drama thriller Mm kind of whodunit book. And let me just say this. It's really good. And again, we're going to spoil it. So I don't want to get any messages about how I spoiled it and you didn't know. We're going to spoil it. So read the book. Also, Angie was our guest on July 1st for the Short Stacks. You guys can hear her talk about the book if you haven't yet. Go back and check that out. That episode has no spoilers. So if you're not sure about the book, go check out that conversation, then go get the book and read it. And then we'll see you next week to talk about the book in detail. Rachel, do you have anything else you want to throw out there?
1: Uh No. Just oh, thank and get you. fucking Rachel's yeah. book,
0: Finding <laughs> Feminism. I'm my, an asshole.
1: My book is on Amazon. Probably the easiest way to do it. um And until August, it's only 99 cents on Kindle. So if you're a Kindle
0: reader, 99 cents. Boom shakalaka. Go yep. get Finding Feminism by Rachel Overval. And we'll see you guys next week. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Tracy. We'll see you in the sex. All right, that does it for us today on The Stacks. Thank you so much to Rachel Overvall for being our guest. Be sure to get a copy of her book, Finding Feminism. You can find links to that book and everything else we discussed on the show in the show notes. Also, remember next week, July 17th, we're going to be reading and discussing Miracle Creek by Angie Kim, and there will be spoilers, so read up now. For more from The Stacks, follow us on social media at The Stacks Pod on Instagram and at The Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter. And check out our website, TheStacksPodcast.com. Com. Be sure to get your book recommendations read on air by emailing us at askingthestacks at gmail.com. To join the Stacks Pack and get inside access to this show, go to patreon.com slash the stacks. Make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple podcasts, please rate and review the show. Our graphic designer is Robin McCrite and our theme music is from Tagiragis. This show was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas, and I will see you in the stacks.